Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we will be continuing our devotional series, The Gospel According to Zechariah. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Good morning to you. I hope you're well today. Welcome uh, to another devotional in the book of Zechariah, the Gospel of Zechariah. And uh, we're going to read from chapter four of Zechariah in just a few minutes. But first of all, let me just tell you a quick story. I do appreciate what Joshua shared with us last week, and I enjoyed listening to his four devotionals in Zechariah chapter three. In that uh, chapter, we read about uh, Joshua, the high priest, who has dirty garments, who is disqualified and represents the people of God who are also disqualified, though they are back in the land. They do not feel that they are qualified to rebuild the temple and to be God's people. They've got a bad history. And uh, Joshua has got these dirty clothes on him. And of course, we see how God solves those problems for Joshua by three things, by rebuking his accuser, by remitting his sins and giving him a righteousness. And finally, by recommissioning Joshua to do the work that he's called to do. And I just wanted to mention quickly that um, that passage meant a lot to me when I was in my 20s and um, I was planting a church in Fleet. And then I was invited to come back to Odium to work with Arnold Bell. And um, I joined a little team of five people with Arnold as the elder and four of us just his sidekicks. I was the junior person in that team, just got married. uh, And then suddenly Arnold was called to go to Sheffield. And all of a sudden it was just the four of us. None of us were elders. I was inexperienced. And for a period of about a year, there was just a team of four leading the church with no clear leader and so on. And yet this passage that Joshua spoke about last week was powerful in my life. I used to walk around Fleet Pond and I used to just recite these verses because I felt God was speaking to me uh, from verse seven. It talks about there how Joshua was declared to be righteous by God. And then he is uh, recommissioned to the work of leading the people of God. And uh, there was this promise which I kept praying back to God and which became reality for me as I was then called to lead the Vine Church. And uh, the verse there says, you know, this is what the Lord Almighty says, if you walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts and I will give you a place among these standing here. So I'm just saying that because I do think that these verses have incredible power in our lives. And I'd encourage you to be open to what God is saying to you today through these verses. Let's read the next vision and let's remind ourselves that what's happening is that Zechariah is having uh, eight visions during one night. And um, he keeps looking and it's like a tapestry with eight panels. And whenever he looks at the next tapestry, it's like that tapestry suddenly comes alive and there's action. And then Zechariah is so drawn into the tapestry, the panel, that he becomes part of it and asks questions and interacts with the characters within that tapestry. And we've looked at the first four panels and uh, the third one was about Joshua. And now we have another central panel 
And we find that in chapter four, verse one, it says the angel who talked with me returned and wakened me as a man who is wakened from his sleep. And he asked me, what do I see? So here we have Zachariah almost in um, so lost in and so absorbed in the previous vision that perhaps he's not asleep, but he's so caught up with that second, that third vision that now the angel comes and kind of almost wakes him up and says, now, come on, look at the next panel. Uh, he's probably exhausted from all these visions. He says, now, look at the next. What do you see? It's kind of a device to get him to engage. You know, what do you see? Look at this. What do you see now? And so what does he see? He says, I answered, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lights on it with seven channels to the lights. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right uh, of the bowl and the other on its left. I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? He answered, do you not know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And so what does he see? He sees this lamp. Now, there's debate about what this lamp looked like. Some people think it was like the menorah that was described in Exodus 25 that was positioned in the temple. And it, it had a central candlestick and then three uh, lamps, the candlesticks going up. So that you've got this menorah with the lights, the, the seven lights shining. But some research by uh, Robert North in the 70s and archaeology has shown that there is possibly another uh, version of this, which is like a tree trunk that kind of opens at the top slightly, could be as tall as a meter high. And it has a bowl on the top. And then around the rim of the bowl, there are seven lamps that are attached to that rim. And that could well be what we have here. It doesn't really matter. What we do get in this is this dazzling picture. Zachariah sees this dazzling gold, precious, majestic lampstand that is shining in the dark of the night and it's shining forth and there's plenty of light. There are seven lights, possibly 49 lights, because each bowl quite possibly had seven lights on it. And so there, were, there was light shining from this gold lampstand and it was a dazzling picture. And what does it represent? Well, it represents the temple of God, which is supposed to be restored, which is supposed to be a place where the light shines in the darkness. But it is more widely a picture of the people of God, the theocracy, the church of God, the community of God in the Old Testament and the church of God in the New Testament. And we find in Revelation 1, of course, that the churches are described as lampstands that shine. And of course, what we have here is a picture of God's people, the church, as something that is indescribably precious, gold, dazzling and pure. This pure, precious uh, implement, which is God's church. That's who we are. But it has a mission. It's supposed to be shining. It has a, sh a mission to shine, to be God's light bearer in a dark world. As God said uh, in uh, Isaiah 42, verse six, Israel is to be a light for the nations. And of course, in the New Testament, we find that in Matthew five, 
Jesus says there, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill which cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that you may, they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. And so the church is to be this light that shines, that is beautiful and precious and dazzling and shining around. Now, you today are called to be a light shining in the darkness. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, whoever you're interacting with, let me encourage you today. Your calling is to shine for him in purity and in beauty. Now, of course, the problem is that we often don't feel like we're very radiant. And certainly as we look in Zechariah, we find that the people were not shining. The temple was not even open. It was not even built. There was no light shining, it seemed, at the time. It was a bit of a scandal, a growing scandal. After 18 years of being back in Jerusalem, the temple is still not built. And the leaders, Joshua the priest and Zerubbabel the governor, are feeling incredibly discouraged and probably embarrassed that they haven't got the job done and there's no light shining and they, they're not doing what they're called to do. And there's problems and they're snagged and they made a start back in August, but now it's ground to a halt again. Now we're into um, December and still nothing is happening into the new year of 520, uh, 519. Still nothing has happened. And yet then God says to them this incredible word of encouragement. How are you going to get this job done? What is this that you see? And in verse six, he says, this is the word to Zerubbabel, the governor. This is your word, the word to you, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The job's going to be done by the power of the spirit of God. The power um, is not uh, those two words. There, might refers to might in numbers. So it's like having a large army or having a large workforce as Solomon had had when he built the first temple. And he had a huge workforce, including foreign helpers as well. And he had large resources. Um, and uh, But uh, now they don't have the numbers to do the job. And might and power refers to strength, strength of resources. And again, unlike Solomon, who had 100,000 um, uh, talents of gold and a million talents of silver, and, and bronze and wood that couldn't be counted. Uh, these people have nothing. They have scarce resources to do this job. And God says, don't worry, because it's not by might and it's not by power, but it is by my spirit that you'll get the job done. You see, this is the way that God works. It's not just that God has to work this way because we just don't have the resources. Oh, the church has nothing. We, we just have to rely on God. But rather, it's the way God chooses to work. God chooses to work through those things that are weak, those things that are poor, those things that have nothing. He chooses to work through those kinds of things by his spirit so that he gets the glory. So that when the job gets done, it is obvious that it was God that did this. These people could never have done that. But God did it 
through these people. He used resources. We have to walk with God using the resources we have, but keeping in step with God and relying on God as we seek to do the things that God has called us to do, to be the light that shines in the darkness. In your workplace today, it is not by might, it's not by power, it's by the Spirit. Wherever you are, at college or at school, when you're serving God in whatever remit you are, at home with your children, it is by the power of the Spirit that you can shine for him. Amen.